Salon Seance is a group that uses theater and performance to bring the composer and the composition to life. So the quartet for the end of time is by the ensemble Salon Seance. With us right now, because we're having this production at the Sanctuary for Independent Media on the 19th of November. Today with us, Simon Lee, who is a researcher and co-creator of this project with his sister, Mai. Tell me something about yourself, Simon. Are you a musician as well? An amateur musician. So I won't be uh, contributing uh, in my capacity as a musician. (laughs) But uh, I I am a researcher, and that is my uh, contribution to this project. So you, along with your sister, had worked on this project. Now you're in Tokyo. She's here in Mm. New York. Did you do this all by Zoom? How did you do this? Uh, Well, this particular project on Messian, yes, it was uh, over Zoom. Um, (laughs) Although the other members were in the States, so, you know, they were able to do things in person. I uh, sadly was not afforded that, that opportunity, but I shall be coming to uh, Troy. What was this about Messian and his work that made you want to dwell into what could be done, what could be improvised, what could be created amongst the history of his music and the history of this Mm. piece? What was it that inspired you and your sister to come up with this concept? We had different reasons for finding interest in this particular piece, creating a project around it. In my case, it was partly, you know, the captivating nature of the piece, musically speaking, but also as a as a historian and researcher, what fascinated me was the reception history of the piece. This piece is quite popular, even though it's uh, quite contemporary. So you know, it's not it's not it doesn't sound like Mozart <laughs> um, by any stretch of the imagination. But when it is performed, as it is performed often. It is usually portrayed as music that comes from, it it was composed during the Second World War, and people uh, make all sorts of associations with that. What bothered me, and also amused me, was the association made here is to concentration camps, but of course Messian was not in a concentration camp, he was in a prisoner of war camp, which is a, a different kind of monstrosity. And that in this mostly intentional misdirect, um, when this piece is put on by a lot of organizers, I think it strays from what Messian was trying to achieve. And in this performance of ours, we want to kind of try to recover what Messian himself wanted to express. One thing I wanted to ask you, you say he was not in a concentration camp, he was in a prisoner of war camp during World Mm -hmm. War II. And I think the reason he was in a prisoner of war camp is interesting because I think it gives us some depth as to his character and personality. Well, um, he was captured. He was working as a medic, an orderly. It was during the phony war period that he was stationed, so no real fighting. And then suddenly he got hot and he was escaping with his colleagues and uh, he was captured and transferred this camp called Stalag 8A. You know, the, the purpose of a prisoner of war camp, in contrast to a concentration camp, is to hold them prisoner for exchange and also because it is dictated so by, by the codes of conduct of war. It was cold. It was in Eastern Europe. It was cold and uh, they were malnourished. The inspiration for this piece comes from a hallucination he had uh, when he was literally starving, you know, so much that he he was hallucinating. Uh, So the conditions were dire, but 
there was recreational activities. There were bands that would play, you know, orchestras. There was a library. Um, so to, to capture that reality is part of what we want to do, to portray the true nature of the circumstances in which this piece was uh, created. And how did you go about doing that? How did you come up with the idea? Oh, um, well, there's a lot of good scholarship on this particular piece and on Messian generally by musicologists and historians. You know, my work was mainly going through those and trying to reconstruct in my own way what was going through Messian's uh, mind at the time, what led to the piece uh, being created in the way that it was. What we tried to do at Salon Seance is not have a lecture about the piece, you know, as it is done in, in many places, but to try to communicate those things directly from the composer himself. And of course, the composer is no longer with us, but we, we use the magic of theatre to uh, express these intentions in the most direct way. We feel that the audience is most receptive when it's not, you know, some expert talking about this at a distance, at a remove. You know, the music is so so visceral, so direct. It is a language of its own. It doesn't really get its proper landing if it's not delivered in the right way. And that's what we try to do. The idea of a seance, how did that come about? Uh, it was... <laughs> um, <laughs> It was a joke originally. I joked that it could be called séance de musique, you know, which in French just means a music session, you know, like a jam session. But in English, of course, you know, it has séance, so, you know, that has a different meaning. And that was because already from when we began the project back in 2015, I think, you know, we, we had this idea to bring the composer's voice back. You know, that's the séance part, right? To bring them back and to make them plead their case promote their own pieces. So yeah, it originally began as a joke, but then, you know, we really kind of doubled down on the, on the sales aspect. And also, you know, it comes from the um, recognition that musicians are mediums. What they do is essentially just like a medium. So if you think about it, if you're a musician and you are practicing, rehearsing to perform a particular piece, what you're trying to do is to try to understand what the composer was trying to express with that particular piece. And so you're always trying to recreate and communicate, uh, recreate by communicating with the composer what their intentions were. And the attitude that they take as they go on the stage is to be as faithful as possible to the composer's intentions. So in a way, the composer gets to live again, speak again, express those meanings that they try to express with those pieces through the musician, right? So that every time a musician performs their work, all over the world, you know, at any place in time, the composer is in that sense, you know, being brought back to life. I can see how that can apply to any of the arts. Right. Art is communication. And it's also a means by which uh, artists uh, long gone and long dead can still uh, communicate with us. Can still live. Right. But of course, they need a medium to be able to do that. Right. And the medium um, is music. Right, music, the actors, you know, it comes from a recognition that uh, mediums are fellow souls uh, to, to artists. Wow, okay, I like that. On that point, I think there's a poem by Rilke where he talks about this phenomenon that in nature, in the world where we live, things decay and die, right? So you have this movement from life to death. His image is uh, a candlelight or something would turn to ash. He said that in art, that's the only place where the reverse can actually be true, 
that ash can turn into fire again. As when dead words on a page, for example, in this case, poetry, as it is read and recited either, you know, actually, you know, with, with a voice or in the mind's voice, those dead letters suddenly become imbued with meaning, you know, with, imbued with human emotions and experience, right? And you, you make these associations in your mind, perhaps, well, not just association, you also feel real emotions as you recite them. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like that. How would what happened in 1938 re- relate to what's going on in, in the world, in society today? Where this piece originates, right, as I said earlier, is, is um, yeah. a hallucinatory episode that he had um, while he was at the prison at camp um, from, you know, malnutrition. But here he was in a prisoner of war camp. He didn't really know when the war was going to end, which meant he didn't know when he was going to get out. And there was little information from the outside world in the camp. For all he knew, he could be there for a very long time. If you don't know when you're going to get out, when you can't really see an end point to your particular situation, when is this going to end? You know, a disorientation in time. You know, why, why am I in this situation in the first place? And the message that Messian wanted to focus on and wanted to really express with this piece is that even though there is a war going on, and even though he is suffering and with no end in sight, so that there is something that this is leading towards, some kind of completion, fulfillment, a future point in time, or whenever that shall be, this will all make sense. And this shall all have been not, not completely in vain. And so I think, I feel like this was his way of trying to make sense and also endure through a time of uncertainty, right? And also suffering that didn't seem to have a have an end date, and I think we can relate to that. Um, when, whenever we feel ourselves to be in 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 such moments, uh, a rut, you know, as it were. We're all looking forward to this experience. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. This has been Andrea Cunliffe with the Hudson Mohawk Magazine, speaking with Simon Lee, co-creator with Mari Lee of The End of Time by Salan Seance.